is Hannah Overby. We want to welcome you to the, I don't know what episode this is at this point, but to the Raise Your Standards podcast. Who cares what episode it is? It is 2021. We're almost a month through. So far, the past couple weeks, the world has calmed down, which has been really nice. So I'm I'm looking forward to an awesome, awesome year, um, start to 2021. It's also my birthday on Friday, so I'm just having a great week uh, chilling, you know. I really like birthdays, so whenever it's my birthday, I get a little excited. Yeah. Happy early birthday. Are you doing anything fun in this quarantine birthday life? (laughs) Yeah. Quarantine birthday life is not the life I had imagined um, or the the birthday that I wanted. I I deserve it though, because last year I was like, man, I'm so glad I got a big birthday party out right before everything shut down. Um, So I'm having my COVID birthday which I'm having people over. It'll be fun. Not a ton of people, just a couple close friends, but I'm excited. Yeah, that sounds really fun. So today we will be talking about Hannah's job slash career. So this will be kind of an informational interview style. So we'll treat it as if I'm asking the questions that maybe some of you would want to know of like, what does Hannah do for a job? What is she pursuing? And speaking of that, Hannah just got accepted to grad school. So we are super excited for her and (laughs) she'll share a little bit more about that today, but any thoughts before we kick it off? I just want to say next week we will be doing, or our next episode, we'll be doing Autumn's job. So if you're really more interested in her amazing job as a marketing manager at Google, um, which I can understand, uh, stick around. That'll be next week. So this week is all about (laughs) my job. And speaking of that too, we're going to try and get some people from different industries on here. So get pumped and hopefully one of them, if not all of them will resonate with you. So Hannah, to start off, can you just give us a little overview of what you do for your job? Um, what in terms of like your current job right now at Stanford? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I currently manage one of Stanford's psychology labs. Specifically, I manage their psychophysiology lab, which I know is a really big word, but essentially what it means is we show people different, t- we do an, we're an emotion regulation lab. So um, for example, one of our main like foundational studies is we show people all these really gross images and we give them different strategies to regulate their emotions so they aren't as affected. So we say, okay, can you reappraise what's going on here? Maybe think of this image in like, oh, like this puppy isn't really hurt. This puppy is going to go to the vet soon. Um, so we give them different strategies to regulate their emotions. And as they're doing that, we have them hooked up to things like heart rate monitors. Uh, we'll measure, you know brain waves, face movements, different things like that to get a sense of what their physiology is doing as they're telling us this is what I'm, you know, psychologically doing in my brain. So psychophysiology, um, it makes sense. And as the lab manager, I do a lot of things around our lab. Um, most labs at Stanford, at least that I've worked at, have one or two full-time employees. My lab currently has two, me and then another coworker who manages one of our major studies. And we're like the go-to people for most everything that happens in our lab. Um, do you want me to give like a brief overview of like different buckets of what I do or would that be helpful? Sure. Yeah. Maybe the different main work streams that you do or yeah. kind of day-to-day responsibilities would be helpful. So so the main, I think, work streams that I do is uh, there are like six or seven buckets that my job sort of 
does that are each distinct, but it's all part of my job. So I manage all of our data management and IT at the lab. So that means if we, we have all of our servers where we keep our lab's data, and we also have data on a supercomputer. So I make sure that that data is accessible and also that it follows all regulations and guidelines regarding like what is protective health information, what isn't. Um, and I also help out with IT. So if anything goes wrong in our lab, I'm generally the first line of defense for all of our IT problems. Um, so that means if even like computers are shut down, I go reboot them. If you need remote access to a computer, if something, you know, more difficult is going on, I'm, I'll try my best to sort of facilitate those and fix those problems before calling Stanford's IT. And that just winds up being faster. I also manage our relationships with our IT department, which is really, really cool. Working with IT is like one of my favorite parts of my job. Um, another bucket is lab spaces. So I manage all of our labs physical locations. So everything from like cleaning, organizing, anything like that, I'm in charge of spearheading and making sure it gets done. I need to know all university policy knowledge. So right now, presently a lot about COVID. So I can relay that to our lab and tell them, Hey, here's, you can and can't access this per Stanford's guidelines. Um, I manage all of our lab equipment and make sure that it is stored properly and that I know how to clean it and that other people know how to clean it. Um, just things like that. Uh, we have a bigger project that I help out with. Um, I manage our IRB, which is an institutional review board, uh, and that just keeps all studies ethical for you guys who are in the psychology, social science world. We want to make sure that we're not harming any participants, so anything we ever do has to be run past this board, and they have a lot of different things that go on with that, like knowing how to submit forms, what to submit, what we are and aren't allowed to say in recruitment, and different rules regarding that. Um, I also do initial personnel training and onboarding. So I give tours of our lab. I'll tell people, here's how you get your building keys. I make sure they have all of the trainings that they need to be safe in our lab. And then I do a lot of miscellaneous stuff. Like sometimes I go grab my boss's mail. So it's a high level overview of what I do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. And okay, so what would you say is the coolest part of your job? Why would someone want this job you have? Okay. So the, I love being surrounded by really smart people. And I think being a lab manager is just so cool because not only do I get to interact with researchers at work who like, at least in this specific lab, they're like the top tier, right. Of psychologists. Like they're amazingly smart, gifted people. And they think through problems in such a cool way and being able to discuss with them about their ideas and what they think the world is like and how they see things is just so valuable. Like, I love that. And not only that, but I also get to work with uh, university IT and they come in with a separate set of knowledge. So they taught me about what Arduinos are, which is a small programmable circuit board, why they're important. They taught me about, you know, like cybersecurity. They give me really cool podcasts to listen to, tell me about hacking and networks and just like different buckets of knowledge that I don't think I would get anywhere else. And then I also get to talk to all these amazing undergraduates who they're working for different degrees and telling me what they're passionate about. And I just like, I love the people and I love like the richness of thought. I think that you get to be surrounded by in this job is crazy. I love that because I think it goes along with one of my favorite quotes, which is surrounding yourself with people you want to become like, um, to paraphrase, but love that. Okay. So to back up a little bit, how did you get this job? What was your past jobs leading up to this? Um, any like previous experience you want to share, including school, would be helpful. Yeah. So how I got this job, I, so 
I think we've talked about this a little bit in a previous podcast episode, but I, my sophomore year of college, end of sophomore year, didn't really have any internships lined up for the summer. And I wasn't particularly interested in research, but I wanted to at least give it a go, you know? So, cause that's what college is for. It's like trying out a bunch of different things, figuring out what sticks, figuring out what doesn't stick. And my aunt and uncle uh, happened to live out in the Bay Area and Stanford's a really highly ranked psychology program. So I figured if I was going to get research over the summer, I should get it at a program that's, you know, highly, like more highly ranked, at least in the like school I went to, um, which meant there was like a handful of programs that I could really choose from. Because otherwise, like, what's the point of moving if I could just get better experience, you know, without going anywhere? And I thought like, this will be fun. Like worst comes to worst. I'm in California for the summer, like no big deal. Uh, and I started working at this lab as a research assistant uh, after I cold emailed everybody on the psychology department mailing list, telling them I had no skills, but I really would like be willing to learn. And one of them got back to me saying that was enough, which again, blows my mind. And I did research the summer after my sophomore year, and I just loved it so much that even if like what I want to go into isn't psychophysiology, the fact that I love the process of research so much, I just like, I came back to university of Illinois and I started taking all of these different classes about different things I'd learned at this lab. So I was then like diving into lit reviews and learning how to do like programming and data analysis in R and then learning how to do it in Python. Um, and I just really liked it. So then the next summer, uh, one of, I got a marketing internship, but it was part-time and I had befriended this postdoc and a postdoc is what you can do after you get a PhD where you're still working at a university, but you're not a full-time professor. And you'll probably after your postdoc either go into industry. So anything that's not, um, academia is industry, or you will then apply to be a tenure track professor generally. Um, so I befriended this postdoc and, I texted him saying, hey, I have a part-time job, but if you want any extra work done this summer, would love to. And he invited me to be his data analyst intern. And that was so cool because he taught me like basic level programming, um, like what a for loop was, if else statements, like the like programming, literally programming 101. Um, and he he's just like so amazing that he mentored me that way. Um, and then after that, you know, we were pretty close and he gave me a heads up when this job came available, like, Hey girl, uh, I think you'd be really great for this position. Let me know if like you should apply. Let me know when you apply, I'll talk to the person, like the professor I currently work with. I'll talk to him and like put in a good word. So that's how I wound up getting this job. Great. Okay. So as you were saying all this, it really just made me think of like, wow, this sounds really intimidating, especially if you don't know exactly um kind of this like for loop or if else statements I mean these are things that just kind of I go over my head a little bit so I guess to back up what would be a piece of advice for someone who might feel intimidated by this kind of job or just speaking more generally to jobs in general because obviously it took a little bit for you to be able to wind up in this job um so any sort of general advice of how to get a job that might seem intimidating or, but you really want to go after it and find this quote unquote dream job. I mean, I think my, my advice is I don't think that any job is like, I, I don't think you're going to just find your dream job. I'm a firm believer in trying a bunch of things and I don't think like you don't know what you like until you try it. Right. So I would say just, go try a bunch of different stuff, like get, I don't know, get, get experience. And if you find an experience that you really like, then stick with it. Um, and it doesn't have to be intimidating. I literally, the reason I got my 
job was because I emailed someone saying my skills are that I can read and that like that was all they needed for me to get a foot in the door. So don't don't be intimidated by not being where you want to be yet. Like you have to start somewhere and just enjoy the process of learning. Like if you can learn to enjoy learning, your whole life is going to be so much more fun. Definitely. I think people too get shied away of like, oh my gosh, I don't have all the skills that are needed for this exact job description. Well, you won't know until you apply. And honestly, what Hannah said too is I've found in my jobs, if you're willing to learn and be a nice person, that goes a long way. So for sure. And when I got the data analyst internship, I didn't know how to analyze data. I knew nothing. He literally spent the summer teaching me programming 101, which was really funny because the next semester I wound up taking like programming, literally programming 101 at my college. And it was the same stuff he had gone over that summer. But I didn't know it when I got the position. I just found someone who saw enough potential in me. And again, I didn't do anything to do that. Like I was just surrounded by great people, but they saw enough potential in me to teach me. So I, I don't know, be around people who want to teach you and who value that. Um, and just put yourself out there. Love that. That's awesome. Okay. So as we mentioned previously, you just got accepted to grad school. So that's a little teaser of what you're looking to do in the future, but can you just explain how this job now is rolling up to what you want to do in the future and go into that a little more? Oh man, of course. Uh, So can I just tell the story of how I got accepted to grad school? This was such a relief because Ever since I realized I love research, my dream is to go be a PhD student, right? And like, here's the thing. I don't understand how you can get this job because it's so crazy cool that I'm going to be paid. Someone is paying me to spend my days learning and then teaching other people about what I learn and then learning more cool things. Like someone's going to pay me to read and to think and to like be around cool people. And if you're a graduate student or a professor, you get paid to go to conferences where you're traveling to go talk with other people about nerdy things you really love. Like who, I don't know. This is just, it's crazy to me that a job like this exists because like that's, that could be your life. Um, I'm just, dude, I'm stoked stoked. Uh, so I haven't decided where I'm going to grad school yet, but, uh, one of my top programs, uh, emailed me the other day and said I was accepted into their program, which just means even if every other program I applied for rejected me at this point, I'm going like, I'm going to be a grad student and how like all these other experiences sort of like wrapped up into that is after I realized that I liked doing research, um, when I came back to University of Illinois, I had thought, okay, I like, I love the process of research, but I wasn't super into psychophysiology research specifically. But I thought if I found an area that I am super, super into, like how much more am I going to love this if I already like it already? So then I got into doing media effects research. Um, so you can th- kind of think about it if any of you have ever watched The Social Dilemma. Um, similar to that, I'm really interested in race in the mass media and specifically credibility perceptions of racialized disinformation. So why do people believe information that's inherently false? And then why do they feel compelled to spread it or to share it? Um, and then what does you know being exposed to that information do? And I think there are a lot of really interesting like ways you can look at this because you, everyone talks about echo chambers, right? Where you like self-select news and then it winds up being just the same news. But in today's media environment, it's not quite as simple as just you selecting news. Like you look at one news article and then next thing you know, you have 10 different news articles similar to that on your feed because of how these algorithms work to keep you on the site and to try to show you what you want. And I think 
like that adds an extra cool layer of complexity where studying media effects for me is first off going to be doing research that I think genuinely is super helpful to people or at least helpful in some, you know, small way. And also it's a good combination of my, like, I love data science methods, but I think that data scientists need some more theory and I love social science theory, but I think social scientists could use a little bit more programming knowledge. So I'm really excited to be able to learn about all this stuff and hopefully get a really interesting dissertation topic out of this in the next, you know, four or five years. Yay. That's super exciting. And I think it's really fascinating too, what you're saying about the algorithms, just from a marketing perspective, we talk a lot about algorithms and it's kind of fun because what you're saying of this different content that you're shown, um, we did this, uh, different, it was a research project in, college and we researched on Facebook, it will tell you what your political views are, if you're left, moderate, or right. And so those algorithms or what they think you would like to be shown will be continuously shown, which really do inform your viewpoints and future decisions. So oh for sure. And and that's really what I'm thinking too is like it's not just your like selective exposure is a term that's used a lot where you selectively expose yourself to views to things that line up with your viewpoint. But at this point I think it's a step beyond selective exposure because you're not even actively choosing this content. This content is in one sense like choosing you. Um and what's really sad is all of these things like the media you consume has been shown to, you know, if you view information about racial minorities or about illegal immigrants or whatever, and it can be harmful and it'll actually like push people to vote for more punitive crime and immigration policies. It'll make you have worse interpersonal interactions. And all of this just through what you're consuming in your feed is, it's like really sad, but it also means that this is a really important area of research, right? Um, and then thinking about too, you know, if eventually you could think about interventions, like how do you make an ethical algorithm and at what point is that a good idea? Cause you know, of course there's a difference between, or maybe there's not, but like the news you consume on your Facebook feed, you know, if say you're like a far, someone who's like on the far right or far left, you know, shown more and more polarized content, that's different than say a TikTok algorithm where the goal is to just get you to like swipe and see, oh, like here are more puppies or more dances or more horse videos or like more One Direction videos. And there's like different levels of harm for an algorithm that essentially does the same thing that shows you more and more of what you are consuming. Yeah. Very, very fascinating. That's why I really liked learning about communication and the media. So uh, to go off of that, what is a piece of advice you would give to someone who is looking to pursue either, I guess, undergrad degree or postgraduate or graduate degree? I would say try a lot of things so that way you know what you do and don't like. And for, you know, graduate or undergrad, like that just means at this point, take a lot of different classes. Um, I took everything from oil painting to matrix theory and tried to really figure out what I liked. And some things would surprise me. Like I wound up taking a psychotherapy class. I really didn't like it. I love the professor, but I just did not like the content. And that surprised me. But then one time I took a network analysis class and for the life of me, I could not stop talking about network analysis for the like next year. And that, that also really surprised me. So take a lot of classes, I think is going to prepare you pretty well. And the other thing I would say is if you are wanting to pursue more so a PhD than a master's, but if you are wanting to pursue a PhD, 
really do take the time to consider what you want to study and why and learn a lot about it. And that was one of the main reasons too I took a couple years between undergrad and grad school is that you're committing, you know, a minimum the next like five years to this, to studying this thing. And then after that, like you will be trained and like an expert on some level in whatever you chose to study. So like your career could be literally just think about this thing for the rest of your life. And I don't think you should necessarily make that decision off of a whim. Like, oh, I really like one class, maybe do a little bit more research, see what people in the field actually do um, before making the decision to apply. And then two, you're going to have a better application package because you'll sound like you know what you're talking about and be able to really articulate why you're going to be committed to sticking out, um, you know, your degree. Yeah, definitely. And I can talk about this more in my episode, but I think to just going off of what Hannah was saying is actually liberal arts degree. I think looking back on it, a lot of people are like, oh, liberal arts degree, like, uh," and they get talked down on in breadth of different classes really did give me experience of like, okay, I don't like learning about rocks, but I love talking about leadership and the future of society and all these other sorts of things that I think sometimes people just might not even realize that, oh, this is actually fascinating. So that's why there's so many options for majors. So don't feel like you have to pigeonhole yourself right away. Oh, for sure. And I'm definitely all for having a range of experience. And I think like the more, the broader your experience goes, I think the more depth you're going to wind up being able to have once you decide one thing you want to, you know, really dig deep into. Most definitely. So with that, let's talk a little bit more about some fun things. So what are you most looking forward to of going to grad school that is actually outside of what you'll be studying? Curious oh. about that. <laughs> I was like, I get to be paid to read. Like who doesn't want that? Um, I'm just so, I'm so stoked. I like the whole thing. I'm so stoked for it. Oh, outside of what I'm going to be like, I love, I, I'm excited to be able to go back to like studying and working for like 12, 16 hours days and just like loving it. Like I did that in undergrad and I just, at least my junior and senior, I loved it. I love people. I'm excited to get to know a new community and new people and just like build a life. I think I'm really excited to build a life somewhere for that I know I'm going to have for like four or five years because at least living in Silicon Valley, I've loved it so much, but it's just a different perspective when you know you're only going to be somewhere for two years, right? It's like all the friendships I'm making now, I love them so dearly, but then it's like that pain, like, oh, like I'm going to have to say goodbye to you guys in six months. Um, So I'm just excited to be able to like really dig roots somewhere at least for, you know, five years. Definitely. Okay. So I've been thinking about this since our last episode, but to answer this uh, riddle question that you had. If you didn't hear it, you should go back and listen to it. But, okay, my guess would be that you use different lasers on the low beam lighting, if I'm remembering correct. Is there, can you do more than one laser? Yeah, no, that's that's good. Is that the answer? Yeah, you want to use the Ooh. laser at like low intensity, but have multiple shooting at it from different ways. Hence the analogies, yes. the other stories I said yes. in the thing. Yes. Yay. Okay. I feel accomplished now. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Super exciting. Okay. So with that, Hannah, do you have any last thoughts, pieces of advice, fun stories, questions, anything? I'm just kind of 
I feel, I sort of feel bad for everyone listening because this, I think I talked with you for a few minutes there, like I would talk with an academic. So I don't know if, I don't know if any of that's going to hit to anybody. Um, I think it's really cool. I mean, literally my advice that I've been giving this advice for a while is really do try, try a little bit of everything. And I think like you're going to be better for it. Like more experience, even if you're not an expert at one thing is like, no, no knowledge is wasted knowledge. No experience is wasted experience. If you think you might enjoy something, try it. If you don't like it, don't beat yourself up about it. Like that, like knowing what you don't like is just as important as knowing what you do like. Ooh, I like that one liner. The last thing you said, that's actually very, very important. And especially in college, I learned, heck, I do not like science, but like I said before, I really liked my major and that stuck. And I think too, of just reiterating that Hannah didn't figure out that, oh my gosh, she wanted to study this exact uh, focus area until she had the chance to really connect with people and to reach out and try new experiences. So be kind to yourself and know that things won't just happen overnight. And even with that, just bouncing off of that is one of the main things, uh, all these professors. So when you apply to grad school, just a tip that they don't necessarily tell you, but, but, but reach out to all the you want to work with before you actually apply. So email them and ask, Hey, do you have 15 minutes to zoom? Can I talk with you about your program? Um, so if you're applying to grad school, do that. But every, almost every single professor told me in these meetings, what you come into grad school thinking you're going to study is probably not going to be what you come out of grad school studying. And that's expected and that's okay. And that's good. Um, just have a clear direction of what you think you want to do. And, you know, iterate on that, like have, like, let it change and have that be okay, but do at least have like some idea, vague idea of where you're going. But if it doesn't like hit exactly, that's fine. Definitely. Yeah. And being able to, yeah, just focus on the fact of like, you can try something if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up over it. Same with undergrad too. I would say that advice is relevant. Oh, for sure. Like have, have your goals, I think be more directions as opposed to destinations when it comes to like overarching life plans. Nice. Nice. Okay. Last thing, just a fun question since it's almost your birthday. What is something you've been super grateful for reflected on in this past year of year 23? Year 23. Oof. Oh man. I, I was just thinking about that this morning and talking with Autumn before this about some of the things I've learned this year. I think a couple things, boundaries are important uh, and knowing when and how to set boundaries is really crucial. And I've learned that this year, especially with COVID where uh, you're simultaneously less and more accessible to people because on one hand, you can't see everybody in person, but on the other hand, people are expecting more phone calls or more time from you in that type of way. So boundaries are really important. I think you can never underestimate like the value of a good attitude um, and just realize like no matter what happens, having a good attitude, 
I've learned a lot about that in 23. And then also to just like cherishing, cherishing your close friends and the people who are around you who do speak life into you. Like this year, I've just been so blessed by friends who don't even live here. Like a couple of friends that I have that live down in LA constantly bless me by their friendship or like you, Autumn, or even just this year, it's been so sweet to be able to call my mom whenever um, she's my go-to when I got into grad school, I just called her because I know she'd be really excited. And having, having those people in your life, I think is just so important. Oh, cute. That's awesome. Okay. Well, with that, we really enjoyed learning about your career, your school, everything. I think a lot of this will hit and maybe not in specifics of, oh, I really want to study exactly what Hannah's studying, but I hopefully you learned a few different pieces of advice of how you can apply it to your own life. So, or if you do want to study exactly what I'm studying, that'd be cool. Yeah. She would be, she would be a great resource for you. And maybe someday she'll be your professor. Oh man, dream, dream right there. That'd be so cool. There you go. Professor Hannah, love it. Okay, so with that, feel free to follow us on Raise Your Standards podcast on Instagram or my Instagram is Autumn Dean. If I haven't responded to you, it is because I deleted it for the month. So that is why, but feel free to follow me. I'll be back in February. And then Hannah is Hannah underscore overby. So with that we really enjoyed this and i hope you did too and learned a little bit more about how to raise your standards